Hey friends, God bless you. Welcome. We're so glad that you are joining us today on Being and Making Disciples. We have a great interview with Dan Salucci, and we introduced uh, something new to the show that we think you're going to like. It's all the way at the end. Uh, but Dan talks about ways that you, whether you, you work for the church or you are just committed to making disciples for the Lord as a lay person out there, ways that you can help establish a better culture. So whether that's in a small group you have or in your family or just a group of friends, and some things that you can do to benchmark your progress and, and decide who you are really called to be as a disciple of Jesus so that uh, you can measure up to that and, and see how you're doing over time. So we know you're going to love this one. I wanted to invite you, if you have not yet subscribed, we'd love for you to do that. That way we can stay in touch and make sure that you get all of the newest uh, episodes and hear everything else from us. So thanks so much. God bless you and enjoy. What were Jesus's last words? Go out into the whole world and make disciples. This Catholic podcast will help you respond to that call and invitation from our Lord. Together we'll learn from leaders in the new evangelization, those out there on the front lines witnessing to God's love, and discuss tips that you can implement today. So what are you waiting for? Go make disciples. Well, friends, God bless you. Welcome back. Peace be with you. It is great to have you join us here for another episode of Being and Making Disciples. And we want to welcome a very special guest, and that is Dan Salucci. So, Dan, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, guys. It's exciting. We are just as excited, I think. So Dan is the CEO of Catholic Leadership Institute, and this is, in our opinion, one of the premier Catholic consulting groups and, and apostolates out there that supports the great work that goes on in the diocese and the different ministries all throughout, uh, not only the United States, but abroad all over the world. And what they do is really help parishes keep mission focused and keep the, the main goal of the church evangelization front and center. Uh, but I think Dan would probably say e even beyond that, he is a husband, he is a father, he is a dedicated disciple of the Lord. And it it's been clear to me, uh, interacting with Dan a little bit in the, the past year and a half, especially doing things as a response to how we can minister to people better during the pandemic, uh, that Dan does this because, uh, Dan, you love the Lord and you're committed to following Jesus Christ. Amen. I, if you could just repeat all of that to my wife, I would really appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. No, <laughs> call her in. Really call nice. her in. And I'll, like, <laughs> I, know, I just really need somebody else to tell her. I'll give you the soundbite of this clip. And you can That'd be great. Let's do it. Let's take turns. You like you can now say that about me. I'll show my sure. wife, and then we'll do the same thing for just absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> we all need to help each other out in that regard. So yeah, no, but thank you. That's a really kind introduction, and I'm a big fan. I was telling, telling you guys earlier, just really enjoy what you're doing and um, the passion with which you are putting out the gospel to the world. And so I'm just grateful to be here and and grateful uh, for your kind words and and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Indeed. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you, Dan, so much for making time for us in your busy schedule. I'm, a, I'm familiar with the work of CLI. I think you guys are doing great things to help churches be healthy, you know, organizationally. You need organizational help if you're going to reach out for the gospel. But maybe right. we can start by talking about spiritual health. Um, so can, would you mind just by starting by um, sharing your journey of faith? You know, was, was your faith in the Lord always real to you? Were you always a committed disciple? What was your journey of faith like that led you to eventually following Jesus and now giving all of your time to him in, in, in your work and ministry. Yeah. You know, thank you, Justin. I, I, um, I would have said it was all my life. And, and I think actually, if anybody looked at my life, they would have also said it, it's been all my life. And so I, I was born and raised Catholic and, uh, you know, Italian Catholic family, went to a Catholic school, went to Catholic high school, 
went to mass when I was in college. I went to the University of Richmond, not a Catholic school, but, but involved in the, in the Newman Center. And, um, and then actually in college, it was like when I first got connected with CLI, it was very small at that time. I was the, the apostolate's first summer intern, oh, when okay. burgeoning staff of one and a half. And, um, and so I helped them out for two summers. And then after graduation, um, they got a grant to hire another person. So I was the third full-time employee. Um, so really started working for the church right out of college, but it actually wasn't until um, the birth of our first child, we have four children, um, but the birth of our first child, uh, I was 24 uh, years old and uh, my wife, Trisha, um, you know, super healthy, just really uh, fit kind of person, had a totally normal pregnancy. She gives birth, uh, had to have an emergency C-section and then, um, beautiful baby girl, Annie, is born. 12 hours later, Trisha, my wife, throws a blood clot, goes to her lungs. Um, like, before I know it, I've got a wife in the ICU who might not make it and a baby that I'm holding. And I don't know if you guys understand Italian-Americans, but, like, our moms do everything for us until we're... <laughs> I, I, I was <laughs> so, um, so, like, I'm like, I don't know how... Like, I don't know how to do this. And I certainly don't know how to do it by myself. And so my, my wife was just in the hospital for like six or seven weeks. Um, I had to bring Annie home and, uh, and I would spend days in the hospital. I'd come home at night, kind of do the midnight feedings. Um, and I just remember rocking her in the middle of the night, Annie, and asking kind of the question over and over, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, and, at some point, I, I started to say, Jesus, what am I going to do? And as soon as I said his name, I, I felt a relationship that I thought I had, but I, I don't think that I really understood until that moment. And my, and my mom, who was helping out because she, I'm Italian and that's what you do. Your mom helps out. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she came in at some point and she said, who are you talking to? And it was really the first time, even though I grew up Catholic, went to mass, you know, every Sunday, worked, working for the church, working for an the first time where I had that sense of encounter. And what I heard very clearly from the Lord was, um, you are not in control. I am in control. You are mine. Your wife is mine your child is mine. And so, um, and I have you. And, and so um, I'd like to believe that, that I'm like now this wonderful disciple, I still have a long way to go, but it was, it was a pivotal moment in my life where it was unquestionable to me that God was real, uh, that God was present, that I was supposed to have a relationship and that I could have that conversation with him in more than just moments of crisis. Um, And so it was a horrible experience. Thank God my wife's totally fine now. We have four Amen. children. Um, but I was really blessed to have that really profound encounter um, at, I think, a relatively young age. And and uh, that only just made me realize the importance of the work that I was already doing for CLI and, and um, maybe even more committed to it. That gave me goosebumps, Dan. I mean, just like when... I think I, when you said that you said, Jesus, what am I going to do? I like that... that keyed me in like I knew something was going to happen and that he responded yeah that's clear powerful. as day clear as day wow. uh, 
And, um, and, you know, you have, I think for many of us, we have these moments and I think other people have them too. I just don't know that we, we create a context all the time for people to read that, that it's God, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, but it was, you know, I, I just give thanks for all those little moments, uh, particularly that one, but other ones where, yeah, there's just no question uh, that God is real. And, and so, um, and so I just think, I want other people to know that, you know, I want other people to feel that type of comfort, especially in moments uh, of, 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 you know, severe anxiety like that, but, but um, just what a gift for me. And, and so, um, you know, uh, that's, that's what I hope to help others um, to have that space uh, and, and to realize that, that God is very much in their lives and wants to be in relationship with them. Amen, man. That's, yeah, no, God is good. I love that he, like, he doesn't tire of doing that, of letting us know how intimately close he is, not, not just in those moments of anxiety, but I mean, throughout, throughout our yeah. whole lives. So, yeah. um, and one of the, I would say that what sounds really neat about that is you were not expecting that response. Like it wasn't as if you were saying like, show me a sign then, and then I'll believe it was. No, it was, I think, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a very type A type of personality. I mean, I like, things organized. I like to organize things and people. And, and, um, and so I think it was just, um, I think, I think so often we don't, we don't, we don't create a space for the Lord. I mean, the Lord is always present, but I think we got to empty ourselves, um, to, to be able to hear. And so I think at that point, you know, after six weeks or whatever it was of just totally being completely empty, I think I was, I was able to, to really reach out to him and, and, um, but it wouldn't have happened if I, if I thought I could do it. Right. If I thought, if, if I thought I could kind of get my family through that or figure it all out myself. And I think we have to, you know, I mean, I think that's the real promise of the cross is if we, we kind of look at that as our model of success, um, then we're going to allow the space for the Lord to work in, in, in us and through us. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of my own journey because like you, I had those seeds of faith from Catholic school growing up, right? And those seeds came alive at the right time. But, you know, it was weird because even when I was not pursuing God, I remember crying out to him, you know, in the night sky, like, where are you? You know, that longing was there. So it seemed like those seeds that had been planted in your life and you being faithful to going to Mass and doing the right things, it did plant a lot of seeds that when you were in desperation, you knew where to go, not to despair. So, um, so you have this, this transformation, you're already working for CLI, which now has grown. You help dioceses yeah. all around the country. I'm sure maybe some overseas as well. Have you started yeah, to get yeah. up overseas? So yeah, maybe, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. So, so back then, you know, um, maybe switching gears a little bit now to the work of CLI and um, helping parishes and dioceses, what were you studying? Why was this a natural fit for you to do this kind of work for the church? Because it's very specific and it was new at the time, but more places like it had emerged over time, you know, but why was this such a great fit? What were you studying? What were kind of your interests that led you towards CLI? Yeah, great question. So I, um, I actually was in school and on a path to go into the foreign service. So I wanted to be in the diplomatic corps. So I studied nothing about, um, I mean, the church or, or theology in college. And, and, but I, I, as I mentioned, I was the first summer intern for CLI. And at the time, CLI actually really started working um, with young adults in the Philadelphia area. So we did retreats for young adults to discover their purpose, got what God was calling them to and how to put it at the service of the church. And 
what was uh, as just the summer intern, I was helping to prepare. How did you me. become a summer intern, though? How did that happen? Yeah, so so I was involved in community service in high school through uh, the Archdiocese of Philadelphia's youth office, and um, the youth office director at the time was a priest by the name of Father Chuck Pfeffer, who is one of the co-founders of CLI. He, when Tim Flanagan was looking to found CLI, uh, he knocked on a bunch of doors, and Father Chuck, who at the time was trying to start young adult ministry, this is in the early 90s, said to Tim, you know, if you help me train some young adult leaders, I'll help you kind of navigate the church and get this ministry started. And Tim was like, sure. So um, so Father Chuck gave Tim some office space to use in the youth office. And the youth office asked me to be a summer intern for something that um, I had done in high school. And they said, oh, by the way, this guy, Tim Flanagan's also looking for a summer intern. Do you want to volunteer, or, you know, volunteer and work for him too? And I said, sure, you know, why not? So, um, so that's how I got connected, but they were running these, these weekend retreats and I, I got to go on one, uh, because I was, I was the summer intern. And so, um, it was a profound experience for me, um, of realizing that God was calling me like I, that, that language had never really been shared in 12 years of Catholic school, uh, but that, that God had a purpose for me. And then this idea that part of, I think what, the life of discipleship, they didn't use that language at that point, but that there, that we all have potential that needs to be maximized. Like that are, that are basically, you know, us fully alive, right. Uh, to quote the saint um, is, is, is what God wants. So that idea of the fact that there is potential that is yet to be maximized is like super important to me in, in a whole lot of things. I just kind of look for opportunities to maximize potential all over the place. And so it was really that idea that first got me hooked on CLI because the idea was everybody's got potential. We all have to um, work on just taking the next step in maximizing that potential. Again, not at that point, we weren't, nobody was really talking about discipleship, so to, so to speak, but that idea of gifts and gifts at the service of the church and maximizing that. So then you play that out if you're looking at a parish or a diocese and there's just so much untapped potential, I think, in the church. And so- that even today, I think that's the biggest thing that drives me. I mean, people are always asking me like, oh, is it the number of dioceses that you're working in? Or And I'm like, you know what? The individual who realizes they can go one step further than they thought they could, like that still is what gets me most jazzed up about. That. And that's going back to like to the early days. So I, we, we still are really about that though, Justin. I mean, I think whether we're talking about the parish, we're talking about the diocese, we're talking about the church universal talking about the individual leader. It's really that God has called us for so much more than what we can even understand. Yeah. And so the quest of discipleship and the quest of leadership yeah. maximize that. I would say that aligns well with my experience working with CLI because you didn't, you know, the, the consultants didn't come in and say, you're doing everything wrong. We're here to fix you. They met us where we were, right? Use language, taught us that language and kind of helped us bloom from within. And that really is, I mean, Dan, that's what you and I are all about, too, is we want to help people. We we don't want to be another naysayer on the church. People are working very hard. You know, there's just new insights that can be brought in. So that but that matches up very well with what I've seen from. from well, that's good. I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. You know, we we did a lot of work in our kind of we're actually coming up on three decades this July. But the second decade was really almost exclusively focused on helping priests in leadership. And one of the things I think the biggest or best piece of feedback that we got from priests was you really both 
love the priesthood and understand. Yeah. So, yes. Not, yes. Um, you know, we're not out to fix people. We're not out to like, as you said, beat up on people. Or act like we're the smartest people in the room. Yeah, or, we're, yeah. we're going to, you know, yeah, we're going to, we're here to help. We're here to walk alongside the, one of the, um, we have this beautiful painting in our office because Father Chuck, his favorite gospel passage as a priest, and what he said to find his priesthood was the road to Emmaus. And so um, we have this beautiful. That's our logo. Is it really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know how I missed that. Yeah. I'll send you this print because this image uh, we had it commissioned after he died. And, and it's basically when they recognize Jesus in the breaking of the bread, but he, he has the two unnamed disciples or excuse me, the one unnamed disciple and his, his, um, his preaching would always say that the unnamed disciples intentional, right? That that's us. We can kind of put ourselves in that story, but he saw his priesthood and leadership as the servant at the table, meaning putting the gifts on the table for the Lord to, to do what the Lord can only do, and then for people to recognize the Lord and the breaking of the bread. So that that whole idea is how I think we, we see ourselves very much as on the road with everybody, walking, trying to argue, figure it out, talk about what's been happening, kind of try to get people to recognize, you know, each other, recognize the Lord in each other, and recognize the Lord just at work in our church. And sometimes that's hard conversations. It's not that it were, you know, always, uh, you know, uh, Pollyanna about that stuff, but, but it's, it's hard conversations. It's honest conversations, but it's conversations out of love. And I think that's, that's what's ultimately what we screen people for, what we train people on is communicating that very authentic love that we want what is best for them. We want what the Lord is calling them to, uh, which is their fullest. Man, I like I could that. Go in but... a thousand directions, but I'm going to toss it to you, Dan, because yeah, we have yeah. another question. But yeah, awesome. no, I'm I'm just thinking of how early on when Justin and I first started brainstorming the book and then the podcast, we recognized it would be very easy to take that the route of criticism, and it's the I think it's the lazy way. Like it's the easy um, route. Yeah, it's way too. it's more difficult to be creative and to to find the good, even if it's a kernel, just a kernel of truth. Um, and there's there's enough. In the there's enough negativity right now of people trying to tear down the church and um, a a brother that I work with he's a member of the Brotherhood of Hope um, he has this little mantra that he goes to is it's division is from the enemy and so I like I kind of made that my own like when if if I'm tempted to sow division that's never the Lord speaking and if other people are being divisive then that's not the Lord working through them so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the way to go for everything. I, I totally agree. You know, I had this, um, I'm trying to think when it was, but I maybe had been in the apostolate for, I don't know, uh, five or seven years and and doing a lot of stuff in diocese and, and getting more and more kind of requests and things. And so you can you can get into a pretty quick trap, I think, when you're doing this type of work and, and the, you know, your guys' work. That that you start to think that the salvation of the church is on your soldier your shoulders, which is <laughs> hysterical, but, uh, but nonetheless, like a real trap. And so I was like, really, I was not sleeping. I was like worried about these different projects, and like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to? And I and so I finally, for first time, went to spiritual direction. And the, the spiritual director, like within three seconds, like zoned in, you know, and and um, they he said to me, he brought to me the the temptation in the desert of the Lord. And, and he said, you know, three times the devil tried to tempt the Lord to prove it. 
you know, prove that you're the son of God, prove all this. And every time the Lord pointed back to the father. And so um, he said, you know, Dan, if you, if you're trying to prove it, like if you're trying to win, which I think feeds into that divisiveness at times, that's not of God. Yeah. You're trying to be faithful. uh, That is of God. And so that became a really helpful litmus test of like, okay, in this moment where I'm having this difficult conversation with a B or C person in the church, like, Am I just trying to win right now or am I trying to be faithful? And, and I think that's a real, I think we have to ask that qu- ourselves that question right now because there are, I think a lot of people just trying to win. And, and I think, I think they believe, and, and I'm probably one of them m- m- some days. Um, but I think we have to be really careful that we're not just trying to, to prove something or to win, but we're really trying to be faithful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's tough. I'm, I like to win. Um, I know, yeah. you know, that, that saying is coming to mind. Do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Maybe like a, a Catholic way of saying that would be, do you want to win or do you want to be faithful? Yeah. Um, and the, sometimes the faithful way is not the, it's not the fashy glamorous way. Um, yeah. I think St. Therese would, would have happily said, no, I just want to be faithful. I don't need to win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, in, so we've been talking about CLI, Justin and I have both worked with you and your team. Um, but in a nutshell, what does Catholic Leadership Institute exist for? Yeah, so our purpose is to bring the best tools, models, services, training, formation, support um, to all leaders in the Catholic Church to help them uh, to call forth the gifts and talents of those that they lead, to articulate a vision for their local church, whether it be the parish, uh, the diocese, um, ultimately to create vibrant faith communities rooted in Jesus Christ. So at the end of the day, anything that we try to do, we try to do to equip leaders um, to, to, to accomplish that mission. So, and obviously it's a lifelong mission. They're never going to be over, but we just, we see our role as trying to kind of stay hopefully at least slightly ahead or at least consistent with the church to try to, to bring those tools that can help them do that. And uh, we want the story to be, those folks, you, you guys, for example, in, in, in the roles that we were able to support you in, as opposed to it being about us, it's really not about us. We, we want to be enablers, force multipliers for uh, the really important leaders, um, like our priests and lay leaders in, the, in parishes and, and dioceses. So that's, um, we do kind of have a singular focus, I would say, on what some may call kind of the institutional church. So the parish, the diocese, um, we don't, we don't um, do a lot with um, kind of other apostolates or things, in, not not because we don't want to, just because there's a lot of opportunity uh, to serve kind of uh, parish communities. And that's where most of the faithful experience their church. So we we just feel like it's a really important place to not give up on. So we, we choose to invest there. Yeah. And that's as the, I think the complexity of the world continues to, to just multiply. Um, there's more and more of a need for that because you can't expect everybody at every parish to be an expert in all of the different ways of engaging people. Um, but if you have a team of people who can come in and say, look, we're going to give you the basics of the the best ways to engage right now. I mean, I, I try to spend a lot of time, not a lot of time. I try to spend enough of my time just keeping up to date on simple things like research. So what are the trends in what like the reasons why people leave the church or the reasons why people stay. Um, but I can't expect that everybody in every parish and every diocesan role is going to do that um, because the day is filled with lots of things to do, especially when you have people knocking on the door who like they need you to be the face of Christ to them right now. Um, and so Absolutely. I think you're, you're filling a key role because for the, for, for the people who are going to spend 
80, 90% of their day being the face of Christ to other people, then you can come in for that other 20 to 10 to 20% and say, now let's think of the smartest way and the best way to do this. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing, honestly, that we spend a lot of time on is, is providing some feedback in a way that is helpful. So again, back to earlier conversation, not beating up on people, not kind of, you know, just, but, but, but I would say the stuff from our research that, that would speak to the barriers for people deepening their relationship with the parish and, and with the Lord are actually not necessarily lacks of programs and services that a parish might be offering, but really some of those behavioral cultural aspects that people aren't even necessarily aware of and are especially aren't aware of if you don't bring in any outside kind of perspective. So even for ourselves, and we're an organization full of facilitators, we even bring in facilitators for ourselves for, for important conversations because we none of us can see kind of the whole picture of ourselves, And so it's helpful to have kind of perspective. And I think that that mm-hmm. perspective that we're able to offer hopefully is a really valuable asset to parish leaders who, again, are trying to keep their focus, you know, eyes on the prize, but can can maybe miss some blind spots along the way. Yeah, I think the, so, the ex, sorry, I just think the external consultant is essential. I mean, I, so I spend some time in, in consulting in, in all industries. There's sometimes a hesitancy to consultants, but yeah. um, I think they're essential. It's, I think it's biblical. The example I like to talk about is uh, young David. So everyone was afraid of, um, you know, Goliath and no one wanted to fight him. And then David, small in stature, but large in faith, comes in. He's been battling lions out there as a shepherd. He walks in and says, what are you afraid of? We, we have <laughs> the God of Israel behind us. And that outside perspective showed them what was possible and turned the tide. So, yeah. you know, um, I think it's really good for, you know, the more parishes can get comfortable with diocese, but letting other perspectives in is just helpful. Because, yeah, like Dan was saying, um, redhead Dan was saying, um, <laughs> we don't have all that perspective when you're in the day to day, you know, sure. and even you guys are do. recognizing we right. don't have all the respect on everything in the world too. We need outside help too, because our perspective is limited because our days are full of other stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Dan, I don't know about you, if you ever studied our name, our namesake here, but I, and my parents didn't pick Daniel because of the, the Bible, but I have really appreciated actually the story of Daniel and this idea that he came and, and needed to say what the Lord told him to say, not because people wanted to hear it, but because it just needed to be kind of written on the wall and, and read out and interpreted. And so, um, so I've kind of like really, really embraced your namesake. Yeah, I have, I have. And, and I've always liked my name, but I kind of like it even more. And, and I try, again, I try to be really, uh, again, back to my kind of lesson, I, I try to make sure when I'm sharing something, it's not because I'm trying to prove how smart I am. Even if you're going in the lion's den, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> there, are a lot of, there are a lot of lion's den. There are a lot yeah. of lion's dens. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, you I mean, you can quickly, again, you can quickly fall into the sin of pride. And, and uh, that's a constant uh, battle for me. And and I think I, Archbishop Shep Hughes, a, a, a good friend of mine, my former archbishop here, and you know, I, I once talked to him about that and I said, you know, I got to make sure, you know, I'm not falling into pride. And he said, well, he said, he goes, it, you know, God doesn't reward your smarts. He said, God rewards your patience. And so, and, and so this idea, like, even if we think we know the answers and even if we maybe do know some of the answers, like, can we be patient enough to, to help people come along or do we give up on them the second that they don't hear, you know, our wisdom, um, 
And, and I thought that was really convicting for me because, um, you know, I, I get to see a lot of information about the church. And so, you know, of course, it's all very clear to me, but it's like, am I patient enough to help people come to, to understand and see, kind of see the picture as fully as maybe I get to see it um, and also be, be blessed by their perspective as well? So I want to kind of turning turning back a little bit to uh, to CLI and the culture. You talked about like you bring in external consultants just to help you see probably your own blind spots. Sure. Um, but one of the like a point that uh, shows me very like good spiritual health of CLI. Um, I emailed you all recently, and it was a holy day of obligation or or something like that. And I got uh, the auto response: "Hi, it's you know this feast day. Um, we're closed." And I thought that's so cool that it like yeah. being being an active fervent Catholic is built into the way you do business. And I, it's such a great example for like you could do that if you were just a Catholic business person running any kind of business. You could say, <laughs> yes. hey, look, these days are important to me. Like, you know, go get ice cream with your family or something. And um, I mean, that made me think, OK, there's got to be more than that. And I'd love to hear about the, like the culture of prayer or the way you encourage yeah. virtue in CLI. Cause I think anybody listening who works for the church or for really any organization could take that to build into what they do. Yeah. Well, what, so the biggest thing, um, so yeah, the, the, the holy days of obligation, we believe that we should, we should go and celebrate them. So, um, and, and be in mass and be with our families celebrating them. So, um, so that's always been a big part of it. The other thing that I will tell you has, has been the biggest defining an aspect of our culture beyond, I mean, obviously the spiritual culture, but I think it imbues the other things. Every day, 2.45, uh, we pray and we, we stop and pray. So, um, and different members of the community take a, a, the lead. So we're always um, kind of rotating around and it might be a rosary. It might be a reflection. It might be a song. It might be uh, just spontaneous prayer. It might be it, it, um, always with opportunities for um, intercession intercessions and people what's on people's hearts and and who we can pray for we pray for a priest um who we served uh through our ministry because we've served about 35 like 25 percent of the priests in the united states at this wow point. we have just like 3500 names that we got to work through and um but we we pray for him and and for his community um or his ministry um and so that that idea like that we just stopped like rarely do you know i mean it may be that the you know one person is, a meeting runs over and they're like but like we don't schedule over that time um we stop we come together we've been doing that virtually uh during COVID, and actually we're going to continue it virtually because uh, other people have been joining in and anybody who's listening to this is welcome to join in 245 but but that really it really is important um, and it's a non, it's a non-negotiable. So um, it's not, it's not like a nice to, Oh, we just hope you do. You know, it's like, no, it's a part of our community. And I will tell you, even people who um, have worked in the apostolate and have gone on to do wonderful things, they still will say that they just miss that time and, and they, or they continue that practice. Um, and, and what's been shocking to me is that in, in dioceses, diocesan offices or parishes, like that daily prayer does not exist. Yep. And I, I was doing a training once, I will not name the diocese, but I was doing a training once. And, and one of the priests in the diocesan central administration, like in front of like 300 people was like, how do you get away with that? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, 
like, what do you, how do I get away with it? Like, I, I, I honestly did not understand the question. And he's like, well, like that seems to be imposing. And then also like, do you pay people for that time? It's like, <laughs> like, what is happening? Like, I was like, am I being punked right now? And, um, and so I just was like blown away by that. And, and I was like, of course we pay people during that. Like, of course that's, that's a part of our day. Yeah. This is what we do. Um, and so, uh, so we, I mean, uh, yeah, we, it's, it, it's really important. Um, and we, we also are blessed. We have priests or bishops who will celebrate mass, you know, on occasion when we, when they're available or in town or whatnot. Um, and, uh, and we do retreats, um, you know, usually definitely one in Advent and Lent, uh, but also like, you know, just mornings of Thanksgiving and some other just opportunities. Uh, and, and it's, it's really a collective communal responsibility. Um, not, it's, it's not something that falls to one person or, it's really like, if you're going to be a part of this apostolate, this is a part of your contribution. And, you, you know, there's no like grading prayer, um, but, but, but we want you to, we want you to participate in the prayer life of this, of this ministry. Um, and so it's been a blessing for me. I, I, I would have a really hard time not having that uh, a part of my day, I think, if, if I was, uh, you know, not to be at CLI. So, um, and, and I've heard that from, from people who've, who've worked for us, so. That's so funny that prayer is, is like not that people are uncomfortable with it. It shouldn't. I mean, that's, that's a symptom of some, something really bad that yes. you're not comfortable praying with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Um, I, uh, I was teaching a course for, um, I would say a group of highly committed Catholics. I don't want to, I don't want to say who it was or what it was because it would give away too much information, but this was a group of highly committed Catholics and we closed the day out by asking them to pray with one another. And so I would say, let's, let's just call them like professional Catholics. So they're, yeah. they're like heavily involved in the church. Um, and one of them came up to me afterward and said, we've never done that. We never do that with one another. And I thought, how do you never pray with the people who are, yeah, but you're journeying together. Mm -hmm. It's a people, it's a group of people who for a period of years, are like they're spending a lot of time together. Oh, they yeah. get to know each other, and they they he, they said they never or rarely do that. And I thought that's sad. Like, look at the Book of Acts. Look at it's Acts mm -hmm. two forty three through forty seven. For everyone who wants to see it, Christians pray together. That's what we do. <laughs> well, you know, I think what happens is you get lost in the you know the day to day, yeah. the administration side of the church, and um, but. You know, it's like DNA strands. It goes hand in hand with spirituality, but then also this these principles of organizational health. So uh, I think that's a good lead into our next question, Dan. Um, so uh, previously, I was when I was working with with CLI, you guys were walking our parish through some some key things, things like vision statement, mission statement, core values. Yeah. Which spirituality can be a core value, something you keep yeah. coming back to as an organization. Um, so anyway. I heard someone make a comment about that, that it was quote unquote old school. <laughs> and um, me jerk as, um, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as, an M, as an MBA guy, totally disagree because they're not old school. They are foundational, you know, just like in the worlds of science and math, we have things that have been proven. You need to be successful. Any healthy organization needs to know what is your mission? What are your core values? What are your key priorities? So, um, Dan, can you maybe talk to us a little bit, a little bit, little bit with us about why that's such an important thing that you do 
helping parishes and dioceses come up with those key things. Maybe the way you go about it, your style, yeah, of helping, yeah, helping people I, unearth those. And and you know, I I was kidding about the jerk thing, but I, <laughs> you know, I can appreciate what I can appreciate why and what that person was saying. And I mm-hmm. think think maybe at the root of it, at that comment is is an experience that those things can by and large not do anything in the life of an organization mm-hmm. or a parish. And so you look at it and you say like, okay, yeah, that we've been through that, that doesn't do anything. I think the question is, you know, clarity of purpose, and I'll use that kind of umbrella because you can use lots of different, you know, vision, purpose, mission, you know, I mean, there's people have a lot of different definitions. Um, I think the values are honestly are the most, to me, become the most important, but but I think the, the, the point of them only matters if, if we're using them to hold ourselves and others accountable. And so I think without those things articulated, and this I see in parishes all the time, without things articulated, we have a lot of expectations that go unmet because I think something, I think it should be a certain way, you think it should be a certain way, but if we don't take time to articulate them, then then where does that exist? And more importantly, how do we then have those difficult conversations to say, you know what, when you treated that person that way, that actually wasn't in alignment with who we believe we are. And so we kind of, I think, have this, this problem or challenge in the church where because we have so many wonderful virtues and like and values that we uh, espouse, we almost get lost in all of them. And, 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 and so we need, we need in certain par- in parishes to articulate what, what is this community yeah. being called to right now, yeah. you know, this time period. And that might, that changes over time. But if we're not yeah. articulating that for our people, how can we, A, expect them to, to, to rise to the occasion? And B, how do we help them grow or how do we help each other grow in, in service to the Lord? And, and, you know, I mean, one of the things lacking in the church among the, the presbyterate, among it, within parishes, among the diocese, is any type of really healthy feedback loop. Feedback loop, yeah. And, we and, just and did I, that, an episode about that. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it uh, and and it's it's so important. And and we and for us who are married or you know have children, yeah. basically our feedback, feedback because yeah, 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 yeah. whether you want it, whether you want it or not, but that's actually healthy. And kind of grounding, um, and I think without that, we run the risk of really becoming very kind of self-focused and self, um, you know, uh, I don't know, self-rationalizing, I guess, relative to our behaviors. Um, so I think that's why it's important. I think hopefully we do it in a way that speaks to how it can be used as a tool for accountability and growth. Um, but if it's not, then I think it is old school, and I think it's worthless. But if if it's if if it's used as a way to help build culture and 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 bring the community up, I think it can be very and I've seen it be very powerful. Yeah, and you know, one thing I found interesting is you know initially going into that process, even I was thinking, well, every parish should have like the same mission, right? I will. It's amazing the variety of the way different charisms, people that are being served, the way it expresses itself. I mean, at the end of the day, it is all about evangelization and making disciples. You're keeping the first thing first, but the way it expresses itself and the core values that are essential, oh my gosh, it's amazing how it varies. Just from a parish, a 10 minute drive from another parish. Yeah, we uh, individually at CLI, so obviously we have organizational core values, 
which are a part of our, not only on, you know, on our wall, literally, but a part of our performance reviews and, and part of our conversations. But we also have people articulate individual values. And, and, and um, those are really, really important from like behaviorally, how do I want to grow? So for example, one of mine is prudence because um, I can be reactive. I can, I can, you know, say, yeah, I'm going to sign up for a podcast at nine o'clock at night and <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> but the reality is um, that I have to, in my role as CEO, like I have to be prudent and that doesn't come naturally to me. And I have to ask the Lord for help with that. And I have to help ask my colleagues to help me with that. So we actually, we articulate those values. We share them with each other every, and every year we got to kind of validate them, refresh them. And, and then we expect people to call each other on them. And, and so um, that's where I've seen, I've seen myself grow, but I've seen other people grow because they, they took that seriously. And, uh, and so we take it seriously. And, and I think it's, if others take it seriously, I think it can be a really powerful I love that. Just the like the freedom and the permission to say, "Hey, you have told me who you want to be." Yeah, exactly. And I want to. I want to help you do that. And so then it's not like it's not me coming in and being nitpicky. It's me coming in and saying, "You have told me that you aspire to be a saint, and it's it's in these ways." And I want to help you do that because I love you. And uh, I mean that's that's outstanding. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's really, I mean, it's, I think that freedom is what we all want. And I think we all, you know, um, we all grow from when we, when we, I mean, and, and my goodness, like if we think about an example of leadership, we look at the crucifix, like that, that's vulnerability. Like that's, that is just, I'm, I'm willing yeah, right there. Um, I am, you know, willing to kind of put myself there and say, I, I need you know, I need you to help me. I need, I need that. And so, and I think that's what we do. And, and, but it, I think when we don't articulate that, you know, it's like, sometimes we think that other people can't see that we, we need to grow in those areas. And it's like, I don't, you know, I find that kind of laughable because we have this whole tradition of confession, examination of conscience. Like, <laughs> it's like, we know we're not enough. So let's, mm -hmm. let's not fight it. Like let's yeah. articulate how we want to grow and then ask for each other to pray for us and, and to help us Stay accountable to that. And we can, you know, that's what community is, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I mean, that's like families do that automatically. Like you said, whether you want it or not, you're getting feedback, right. um, especially from your kids. Right. Uh, that's right. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you this story. They, um, my kids, you guys will appreciate this. My, uh, my kid, uh, my oldest is 13 now, but like probably three years ago, uh, my, um, oldest and my second oldest were having a conversation. I said, all right, girls, I want to talk to you. And they said, uh, the, t the, I don't know, maybe she was six. She goes, oh, here's dad and his LBS. <laughs> I'm sorry, LBS? Like what's, and she's, and, and the other one was like, yeah, it's an LBS. And I was like, and they're like, long, boring speech. And I was <laughs> like, yeah. like, oh my gosh. It's like six and nine. And I was like, yeah. over. I've already lost them. Oh my gosh. But I was like, clearly they gave me some feedback about my talks with them. man man i would have been like who came up with that acronym you're gonna tell me <laughs> yeah get to bed <laughs> lbs's that's funny man whoa wow i uh um so sometimes i do an australian accent uh to when i'm talking with my daughter Ooh, and, and kind of playing around with her i listened to a lot of matthew kelly talks when i was younger and so i think i'm spot on yeah. um but she'll just look at me and she'll say like I'm done with this or stop talking like that. So I feel like I have a feeling that I'm going to, I'm going to be accused of giving some, some LBSs in my day. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. 
Well, up till now, we've we've been talking about uh, kind of like organizations and parishes and, and dioceses being more mission focused and and kind of being uh, nimble and efficient and quick. Um, but what is it about just for uh, passionate Catholics who are listening who don't work for the church but they want to they want to be saints, they want to make disciples, they want to lead people to Jesus? Are there some things that you think everyone could do now or everyone could start doing as a member of their parish specifically? Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I think one thing is is you know from what I've seen research wise on parish vitality and and evangelization, it is really small moments, not big big programs or pushes. So, and the, the reality is, um, uh, well, and I, I would share it this way personally. I mean, I um, our our son Peter is seven, and he was diagnosed with brain cancer in des- December, and so. Um, we've been traveling this road that that unfortunately families have to have to travel when when their child has cancer. But I will tell you, like the the outpouring of love and support from our parish and just people who we never even knew. Um, and and still, honestly, I don't know that I could pick them out if I was sitting them in church, meals, groceries, cards. Um, and so so. Um, and, and I would just tell you, like, these moments where we are present to each other not only speak to a good community, but they speak to the presence of the Lord. Like, they, they remind you of what binds us. And so I think for any passionate Catholic who's out there, the, the ability, we have the ability to be that kind of reminder of God's presence in our lives and, and in each other's lives. And so to look for those opportunities to make difference in the small moments and um, to cultivate that type of connection with people, I think everybody can do that. Everybody can be on the lookout for people who need uh, just that reminder or that connection. I think one of the other things is around is around feedback. Um, we were just talking about feedback, but I, I think you know our clergy, uh, particularly our pastors, are more and more. I really don't blame them a lot sometimes because we're not giving them feedback unless we're super angry about something and writing letters like to the bishop. And it's like, you know what, let's take a step back. And maybe before we write the angry letter, let's maybe like offer to have a cup of coffee with father and, and offer some thoughts. And so, but we don't do that. We tend to get really annoyed with something. And then we talk about it of other parishioners and then we write a letter or we don't, you know, and it's like that's really unfair to him in his leadership role, and and so I think I think those two things. I think trying to to really be a person who contributes to small moments of evangelization that that really connects back to the larger purpose of a parish and to the to the Lord. And then I think also being courageous enough to have kind of slightly uncomfortable conversations with fellow parishioners or with the pastor to just say. Hey, you know, I'd like to talk to you more about that and understand kind of what your thought is. But nine and ten, you know, seek to understand, but to engage and, and push a little bit because I think I think there's a cycle that happens if we don't push, you know, charitably, where we just kind of fall into complacency and things get worse and other people start to experience the same things and nobody's giving feedback or getting feedback and and then I think it just it it turns south and and I think that's a shame. Um, that's a communal, again, a communal responsibility. I think Jesus's uh, words on feedback in Matthew 17 should be the model for everyone that first it's one-on-one 
And then maybe it's one on what, you know, what, like bring somebody else in like a trusted third party, somebody who's wise and, and you, you trust their counsel, uh, and then go up a level. And, um, I mean, to still continue to treat that person like a brother or sister in the Lord. Uh, but yeah, when you don't say something and you have something to say, you get bitter and you get yeah, frustrated. And, and I see it all the time. You know, par- people walk away from parish ministries, e- even ministries that are really important to them because the leader is not a great leader or the leader does something that annoys them. And instead of having that conversation, they just kind of say, you know what, I'm out. And and that's, it's just a tragedy because need their gifts and talents. And it's going to be, I think we should assume that being, you know, fallible human beings, we're going to rub each other the wrong way sometimes. And, and, um, and if we're not going to help each other grow, um, then I think we're not really serious necessarily about our, our commitment to, to, to being a parish. And so, so I think we really have to kind of own that responsibility to have some of those, uh, you know, conversations that, just feel like, ah, oh, you know what, I'll let it go. But really, I think to your point, Dan, if we don't, we tend to get bitter about it. And then we tend to make decisions without giving the other person the, the chance to kind of help them, you know, be more and and help the situation be better. Well, thank you for sharing all that, Dan. Please be sort of our prayers for your son. We ask thank all you. Listeners, like, yeah. Keep you guys in prayer. Especially yeah, we son. are. We are praying through the intercession of Blessed Carlo uh, Kudus, who's that uh, kind of teenage saint out of Italy. So um, just that Peter not suffer the side effects. So, so far that's been a good prayer and I'd ask everybody to join into that. Um, so appreciate that. You got it. So everyone listening, please, uh, if you wouldn't mind, just pause right now and say a prayer for Peter and for Dan and his family, that the Lord would continue to sustain them through this difficult time and that he would, uh, he would work through the doctors to heal Peter. Thank you. So, um, final question for you, Dan, about uh, CLI. Then we got a little lightning round planned oh, for you. Um, so, you guys have been doing awesome work for a few decades now. What do you see the next ten years looking like in helping parishes and dioceses? Will it be some of that stuff? I'm sure we'll say the same. But what what new things do you see coming down the pike as critical for the church the next ten years? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I don't think it's any question that. It, the, the road ahead looks a little bumpy. So I think um, anybody, you know, I think, I, I, think, um, I think true Christian hope is recognizing the challenge, but moving forward in faith anyway, you know? So I think it's gonna be a bumpy road. Um, we're gonna have significant, continue to be in a significantly disruptive kind of landscape. And so the most important contribution that I hope we make as an apostolate, which I think we have been, but I think is going to be even more important is um, are we as a church, uh, at least in the United States, going to be moving down this rocky road in an intentional fashion, or are we just going to kind of be kind of falling into it and, and kind of react? Victims of the circumstance rather than proactive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we really need to be proactive. I think we really need to pray Amen. in the Holy Spirit as to how, we are to, to be who we are to be, where we are to go. Not be afraid to take risks. Not be afraid to be bold and take risks and leave some things behind and, and invite some other things and, and fail a bunch and yes. fail, fail because we're trying. That's what, that's what I want to do. I want to fail even if I fail spectacularly. Yeah. I, I don't want to fail because I'm scared. I want to fail yeah. because I, yeah. 
Yeah, and, there's and a so, parable about that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think there's a couple actually. But um, so I hope, I hope, Justin, in the next 10 years that when we look back, um, A, we're celebrating 40 40th anniversary, but but B, that that we have done everything in our power to accompany the church to being as intentional as she can be in walking the road ahead and walking that road to Emmaus. So that, that's my goal and that's my commitment um, for the apostolates. So. And a beautiful image too, because they didn't know the road ahead. They were scared and frightened too, but that- Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they just went after it, trusting in yeah. the Lord. Well, Dan, uh, thanks for, thank you and thank you to the team at CLI for what you're doing to support the church as we journey through these, these troubled waters. And uh, I'm confident if enough people say yes and are, they're willing to, uh, to use their talents and not bury them, that we can weather this storm. And when we come out of that, you know, 10 years from now, the church could be in a way better position than it is now. It doesn't, it, it, it takes yeah. a yes. It takes a yes from, from me and from, yeah. from everyone listening. And then from, if we just get enough more people to say yes, we'll get there. Well, I always, I, that's right. I always say, I always say, you know, it's not the best of times. It's actually not the worst of times, but it is most certainly our time. And so uh, the only one we get. So, um, you know, I think that that opportunity to say yes is what our blessed mother did. Uh, you know, her fiat was just a yes. It wasn't it wasn't knowing all or understanding even everything. It was it was just a yes to, to keep to keep going forward. And so um, thank you guys. I mean, I'm, I'm like I said, I, was, I got I got giddily excited <laughs> me because I was like, oh, my gosh, have I have I finally arrived to be in this conversation? So uh, and it, it did not disappoint, gentlemen. So I appreciate it very so much. Good, and I, hope good. It, I hope it continues. So. And, and thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, well, we're going to close. We're going to do something new. We haven't done this before. So this is the inaugural quick takes oh, with gosh. Dan Salushi. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna fire off some questions here, and there's no this time limit. Tap into that impulsiveness here, Dan. Oh this yeah, there we go. Yeah, we just want to hear the type A. So no no prudence <laughs> kick. Like just throw prudence <laughs> out the window here. That could get dangerous, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. That could get dangerous. All right, this um, is pre-recorded. So yeah yeah. So um, okay. So I'm gonna we're gonna alternate here. So it's gonna be uh, me, ju- me and then Justin, me and then Justin. And if you don't like an answer or if you don't like a question, just say pass, and we'll come back to it if you like it. And if not, say <laughs> edit that one out of here. Get rid of it. Family yeah, feud. Yeah. All okay. Right. So drum roll, everybody on your dashboard, as long as you can do it safely. <laughs> if you could meet any saint, who would it be? Francis the Sales. Favorite liturgical season? Oh, Advent. Ooh, I like that one. There we go. Hope, talking about hope. Favorite feast day? Uh, St. Peter, uh, the chair of St. Peter. Favorite food? Because I, I put him in the bumba. You know the bumba? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I took a picture and I just found myself really funny. So uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, I was like, Oh, favorite food. Kung Pao chicken. Ooh, nice. Wow. Favorite city to visit. Rome. We got that one in common. Catholic book. Hmm. Besides ours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I would say strangers in a strange land. Archbishop Sheffield. Ooh, nice. Okay. Uh, favorite fictional book? Ooh. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Oh, pass. Okay. Favorite way to pray? Mm, um, I would say with my colleagues at CLI. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Favorite Marian apparition? Fatima. Nice. Favorite Catholic movie? 
Hmm. Um, I would say probably. What Christian movie? Favorite yeah, favorite I was going to, uh, I'm going to say probably the passion. Oh, good answer. There you go. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll call that Catholic. Um, <laughs> favorite secular movie. Oh, um, well, actually, um, I would say, well, Greatest Showman's uh, really, I, I like. The yes, movie. that is up there for me. But actually, well. my first answer was going to be Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Oh. <laughs> and I got embarrassed, but I said it anyway. I said it anyway. <laughs> Listen, Listen, man. Whenever I need to pick me up, I go to YouTube and I play like Sister Act uh, songs. Come on. Sister Act's awesome. <laughs> I might, I may or may have not have cried at Sister Act 2. So I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to put it out there. So with, uh, if we have another episode, about like favorite church hymns period then we'll just we can bring back a lot of six sister act songs and we'll we'll bring you back on for that one yeah okay um do you want to come back to the one he passed on there oh yeah that was i think favorite fictional book favorite fictional book um i would say harry potter goblet of fire (laughs) all right and then final what's one piece of advice you would give to every catholic um, I would say that you are never alone and that um, the, one of the most beautiful things about the Catholic Church is you can go anywhere in the world and not speak the language and, and be at home. Um, and so um, literally the celebration of the Eucharist is happening at every moment of the day somewhere in the world and you are invited to be there and you know what's happening. And so I think we, we underestimate just that, that beautiful gift of the Eucharist celebrated all over the world. And it's, um, it's just something that I think uh, it gives me peace every time I think about it. Perfect spot to end. Friends, you're not alone. No matter where you go, the Lord is with you. Wherever two or three of us are gathered in his name, there he is in our midst. Uh, and we are, we're going to close um, asking for the intercession of uh, Carlos Acutis for Dan's family, especially his son, Peter. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, good and loving God, we trust you. We love you. We turn to you at this time, knowing that you love us, you love our children and our spouses more than even we do. And so we entrust them to you. We especially entrust Peter, Dan, and his family to you to your providence. And we ask the intercession of Carlos Acutis for the gift of great peace, for the gift of healing for Dan's son, for Dan's whole family. And Lord, we lift this prayer up to you and we offer it through the pure hands of the most blessed Virgin as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Amen. Mother of Mother death. God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Carlos Acutis, pray, pray for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, friends, thank you so much. Dan, thank you so much. It was awesome to be with you. You too, guys. Thanks so much for all you do. I really appreciate it. Oh, likewise. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye.